0: Hey, what's up, Surf Splendor listeners? Welcome back to the show. David Scales, your host of Surf Splendor. Man, it's been a little while since I've uh, chatted with you, but I was in Costa Rica, obviously, as was discussed prior to my leaving, and um, you'll hear it a lot in this show, actually. Scott and I discuss it a little bit, Uh, but yeah, glad to be back three weeks or so, and um, feels good to sleep in my own bed and surf a little bit. More moderately temperatured waters. A little cooler water feels good, actually. Never thought I'd say that growing up. I thought warm water was always better. Turns out, everybody, it's not. A little refreshing chill to the water here in Southern California. Warm for Southern California, but much cooler than Costa Rica. Anyway, enough about water temperature. Um, Surf News with Scott Bass. In this episode, you hear him mention at one point that we're going to have the gentlemen that own and run Sustainable Surf on the show later in the show. That's not true. Uh we did interview them after this episode of Surf News, but that'll come in a later episode. We decided um that this episode's kind of a standalone and then that should be a standalone as well. So ignore Scott. He's often wrong, as you know. Um and uh look forward to that at a future date. But enjoy this episode. There's so much that happened in the time that I was gone. Um, Crocodile attack, obviously, down there while I was there. But then the U.S. Open, the Padang Cup, um, Olympics, surfing being admitted into the Olympics uh, for 2020. So much to discuss. Also, in about nine days, we're going to see the beginning of the Billabong Pro Tahiti. So if you want to participate in our Fantasy Surfer game, you can do that on fantasysurfer.com. And then uh, go to the Clubhouse tab and search Surf Splendor and just join the club. That's as simple. You create your team. It's totally free. There's 400 people in there. It's um, you know free to join, free to play, but we additionally host a little wager if you'd like to participate in that it's ten dollars per event per division so ten bucks for the men ten bucks for the women the women aren't competing in tahiti but so it'd be ten bucks for the men for this event and then um there's directions on surf for how to send me that ten dollar wager we do it all on paypal and it's a winner take all scenario so whoever accumulates the most points in each event gets the full uh wager pool Usually, there's 20 people or so, so it's about 200 bucks each time. Pretty cool. I've won it once or twice, which basically, I'm at a break even position at this point, probably. Probably still down, in fact, but whatever. It's fun, makes it exciting. Do that if you want. SurfSplendorPodcast.com has all that information. Enjoy the show, share it with friends, uh, comment on iTunes if you dig it, leave a comment, rate the show, that helps other people to find it. That's all that we ask of you. And hey, here's some more good news. I've got an episode for you next week with surfboard shaper Matt Parker of Album Surfboards bringing back the long-form interview. By popular demand, a lot of people have been requesting it, and the reality is I've just been really busy with work obligations, so Surf Splendors got bumped down the priority list, but, and I didn't want to just, um, ease back into it. I figured let's create a new plan. That's actually sustainable where I can maintain weekly publishings of episodes. So that's the objective. And, uh, Matt Parker, as you know, loaned me a surfboard a while ago, and I promised that I would regroup with him after I gave the board back Gave him feedback on the board and that we would do like a thorough episode with him to chat about that board design and just about album surf. So we recorded that episode. That'll go up next week, so you can look forward to that. And uh, yeah, I think that's all the news I have for you. Enjoy today's show. Of course, I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Enjoy. You know what
1: I'm saying? Are we live? We are live. With no music, we gotta have music. I prefer no music, actually, no. compared to that. Welcome everybody down the line. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. David's taking a picture of my. I want to ex- see that T-shirt. Un-shit. That thing is amazing, dude. How cool is this T-shirt? Hilarious. So David's taking a picture. You'll see it, but it's basically the cameras Vlad on Vlad Putin. Riding a bear. Is he bareback? It's like a grizzly bear. Bearbacking
0: a grizzly Bearbacking
1: bear, <laughs> Vladimir Putin. It's one of my favorite t-shirts. That is so funny. <laughs> What's he doing? He's just being Vlad Putin, just like a proud leader.
0: The only difference with that and the photos I've actually seen of him is he's wearing a camo jacket in that that image. You know, usually he's, in, <laughs> he's usually bare-chested. Right that's classic. That's so funny, dude. Did you just find that on Amazon? I got
1: that? it on uh, at the fair. There was this Russian store, you know, at the Southern California County Fair. No, I there, didn't well know uh, a Russian, Russian store there. There was weird. just one of these booths that just had rush stuff from Russia, crazy, you know, like flags and stuff, and they had a bunch of Vladimir Putin. Like funny t shirts. So, this is just a classic. Well, we think it's funny. I have a feeling they're selling
0: that non ironically in Russia.
1: Oh, and I don't, maybe. In Russia, they're just like, no,
0: this is our leader and he rides bears.
1: That could be the case. um, Grizzly Man. Hold your horses. Wednesday, August 10th.
0: I can get into this, dude.
1: yeah guy we have officially started the show it's wednesday august 10th 2016 we're broadcasting podcasting from the surfing heritage and culture center in san Clemente, and uh, my name is scott bass along with my co-host david lee scales we are talking surfing and surf news and um david how do you want to start the show
0: I want to start by just saying, good to see you again, man. Long time. Yeah, It's bro. been like a
1: month. Yeah. Where so, have you been? You've been in Costa Rica. I've been in Costa Rica. All yeah.
0: Right. little surf trip, three weeks, um, surf slash work, and uh, yeah, it was awesome, but glad to be back. Tell me about the um, the crocodile
1: attack. Holy cow, dude. You were there when it all there. went down.
0: Yeah, like, so it happened in Tamarindo, and uh, which is kind of the main... I don't know, touristy slash Well, I beach. spoke
1: a little bit about it, so I think we know the, the... I want to know your experience. Like, did you hear about it through the grapevine when you were surfing? And Yeah, everyone- I,
0: I got like four text messages from my parents and a bunch of emails, like, with the subject line, are you okay? Because I think they just read the very first report of it, which didn't have the guy's name and age and all that. So they just <laughs> assumed that it was me, of course. Right. Because the news story was a surfer gets attacked by a croc in Costa Rica. Um, but yeah, no, it was not me. And I was... Seven kilometers – staying in Playa Negro, which is like seven kilometers away from Tamarindo, but ended up in Tamarindo two or three days later. And the hotel I was staying at was like as close as you could possibly get to where the attack happened. Just the estuaries right out in front of the hotel. Um, So, yeah, I mean it happens, dude. And I talked to a lot of people who live down there and they're like, look, we know the crocs are in the estuary. If you're going to go surf Playa Grande across the estuary – Paddle out kind of into the ocean and across the estuary and then go surf it. People do it all day, every day. Don't go 100 yards back into the estuary to cross there. Even though it's a shorter crossing there, you're a lot more likely to get attacked there.
1: Well, the video showed this guy pretty much right where the river meets the ocean. It didn't seem like it was deep far back into the lagoon or estuary or whatever.
0: Yeah. God, it was gnarly.
1: I'm sure. Did you see the video? So gnarly, dude. Oh, my God.
0: His face got
1: mangled. And white, right? And it, he so went. Gross. He went sheet white. Yeah. And then on stab or beach Grid or something, there were some up close and personal photos of his leg. So gruesome. Yeah, it's just crazy. really sad. I hope. I hope the poor guy gets back in the water and lives a full and happy life. All things considered. Yeah. Um,
0: well, we surfed. I mean, have you been to Ollie's Point? No. There. I, I want to go there. So it's like world class. You know, kind of point break. It was in the endless summer. Yeah. Too no, I know whatever. the wave. I'd love yeah. to surf it. So. We went there, and I my job was to film, and uh, that must suck. So they it does, particularly there because it's like super remote. It's three hours from a city. It's this nature reserve, so the boat anchors, and then I have to swim all my camera gear into the beach. Yeah, and the estuary dumps straight into the surf spot, so swimming to the beach, which is kind of sketchy because there could be crocs in the water because of the estuary. But what's worse is then once I get to the beach, it's just this big sandbar. To get to the actual land, I have to cross the estuary. Oh. So that's super sketchy. And it's wow. known for having crocs in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's heavy. But I waited. You, I crossed it the first time on low tide. So you can kind of see where everything is and what's what for the most part. <laughs> but then when I crossed back, it was on the higher tide. And it... It's uncomfortable. I bet. And what's worse is you're in the jungle. Once you're on that side, the land, there's jungle cats. There's jaguars in the jungle and stuff like that and snakes. So it's pretty sketchy. So Tony Roberts, who I was with, who's probably listening right now, um, last year when we did this trip, he came up to me. I was listening to my headphones in the jungle, like filming. He comes up and taps me on the shoulder and he's like, hey, dude, you should probably take your headphones out. I'm like, why? You know, I always film with my headphones. He's like, well, because there's predator animals here. <laughs> and if something's sneaking up on you, you can hear the branches cracking behind you. You want to, like, know. Rat- so he, he advised, don't use your headphones. Just turn your phone on full volume and set it next to you. And that might scare away any potential animals. Oh, I'm wow. like, well, that's, that's good advice. Thanks for telling me in advance, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he told me one time that when he set up on the beach to shoot – um. He went and, like, hiked into the jungle to get a better vantage point or something. Came back to his gear, and there were paw prints following his footprints through the sand and up wow. into the jungle. Yeah. And he's like, they were giant paw prints, like it was a jaguar or something, but I never saw it. And I go, yeah, you're not supposed to see it. Jaguars don't want to be seen, dude. If you've seen it, the jig is up. You know? right, exactly. Like, as soon as you see the jaguar's face, you're toast.
1: nobody's lived to tell the story (laughs) they don't even know what they look like except for the zoo exactly wow
0: so yeah they don't want to be seen so anyways those are some of my adventures but amazing trip it's a rad place for anybody who hasn't gone i spent a lot of time with board builders down there which by the way um i would like to shine a light on the region like carton we definitely hung with carton love that guy um Woost, Mark Wooster, who grew yeah. up with Kelly and Keckler Yeah, he's Florida. a Florida guy, yeah. Yeah, and he's making great boards, and he's making he's making his own label, but he's also uh, got the license for Pizel down there. Oh, good. Like, my point is, you think of, You
1: think it stops at the border, but it doesn't, right? You,
0: or That or also that the quality must be inferior if you're in uh, Central America or wherever right. else, and it's not the case. Like, right. they are guys like that who have trained under really iconic surfboard shapers using the same quality materials that we use here in California yeah. and making great quality boards, you know? Right. And, and the other thing is we hate traveling with surfboards, of course, because it's expensive and it's a hassle. So when you go to Hawaii, you don't, you buy boards in Hawaii because you know that not only is the quality good, but they're made for that style of waves. Yeah, Same things going on down there. You know, it's like you don't need to travel and then there's a good market for secondary boards. So, Buy a board, write it, sell it when you leave. Yeah. Like, it's, that's the way to do it, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was kind it's of good, an illuminating experience. It's a
1: good take. Yeah. There's, a, there's probably a business wrapped around what you just said somehow. Like, basically brokering those situations. So, it's yeah. like, hey, I'm going to Costa Rica. Go to um, findmeaboard.com. Click on Costa Rica, and we'll hook you up with the guy that's got a stash of used boards or new boards that are w- ready to be coming, you know? mm mm-hmm. You know? Or what's more I just created a business just now. Boom. I
0: agree, dude. And what's more is like Wooster, he's lived in Playa Hermosa for 20 years. He builds boards for that wave, just like Eric Howard builds boards for right. pipe or whatever. Right. You know? So they need to really promote that. And also like Robert August hung out with him in Tamarindo. He makes boards for Tamarindo. But what's even better is they'll store the board for you. They've got he's got a deal hooked up there where it's like you could buy a board leave it down there. They'll store it for you. So next year when you come down, you can just ride the same exact board. That's
1: killer. Yeah. So the idea kid. now is let's just call Worcester. I'm going down there in two months and I need a six one. blah, blah, blah. Go down there. It's waiting for you. And then you leave it and you're laughing. Totally. Then you have a board in every port.
0: And he said that guys do that, but when they come back, they'll buy another new board. He thinks like, oh, I'll just keep this for them. They can ride it. And they do, but then they buy another one. Yeah. You know? So sweet. it's good business for him too.
1: I think we should start to... Uh, you and I off 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 uh, broadcast here, we'll discuss the business opportunity there. Um, okay, the last show I did, you weren't here, and Ashton Goggins sat in, and did you hear that episode?
0: I listened to the first five minutes to hear you guys make fun of my name, and that was it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I won't get too into it, but I did get some comments that it was a good episode, and some people thought I was a little bit too harsh on him. Oh, really? Um yeah, and um, look, uh, Ashton Ashton and I emailed back and forth after the thing, and we look forward to having Ashton come on with both of us,
0: well, I think. Did he feel that you were too harsh on him in no, your email exchange? No, I don't
1: think so, no, but others thought, you know, he was basically arguing that print, he was, he was really trying to attack you, who he feels you are too strong in your commentary about, the power of print versus digital. Like, we, you and I have both basically said, print's kind of obsolete. Like, my yeah. kid doesn't even look at it, you know? And if my kid's not looking at it, and that's the demo you're trying to reach, something's wrong. And you almost get the feeling that, um, you know, that the only people that look at it are the people that make it and the people that advertise in it. Yeah, But... I will say that he left some um, new issues of Surfer with me, and they're really, really good. Yeah, it's just that I don't pick them up anymore. And I right. argued with him: maybe I'm not the demo, you know. But I know my kid's not picking it up, and it's kind of like I don't care. You know, you can make the Mona Lisa, but if nobody looks at it, it's not a good painting, you know. Totally. And um, anyway, so it was an interesting conversation, and it was fun um, having him sit in your seat. And I'll, got, got, I'll
0: listen to it actually because that should. that all appeals to me. Yeah, you um, should listen to it
1: because he, you know. He basically was attacking you, not attacking you, but calling you out, if you will. Yeah. Um, More than me. Okay. Yeah, I'll
0: listen. The thing is, um, I'm sure he has valid points and I'm not, I'll listen before I really comment on the things that he said. But I stand by whatever my previous things that I said were, which is I get those magazines for free at the office. They come by and I love surfing and I'm, and I, but I don't pick them up. It's just, there's a glut of content available to me nowadays and my attention span. And I think a lot of people's attention span has, you know, gotten shorter and that takes a lot of time to invest in, to get the content. But that said, I think that there is a lot of value with a philosophically, there's a lot of value with the intention put into something like that, putting it on paper, the amount of time and work that goes into it, printing it, Inherently, I feel like actually gives it more value than the photo that's posted on my Instagram feed that I can just scroll through. Um, And again, that's a whimsical, philosophical way to look at it. He sort of touched
1: on He sort of, I would suggest to you that he mentioned that as, as part of the value.
0: Because I do buy $80 coffee table books. ...that sit around and I only look at once a year, but I feel like those are substantial to me, you know, because of what I just said. So I think that the magazine fits somewhere between those two scenarios. And I I never want to see it go away, and I'm not shaming it in any way. I'm just objectively noticing. Well,
1: he was arguing that, look, what you can get in a magazine, you're just not going to get in an Instagram feed. Okay. That you're going to get depth and weight... And he went so far, which I sort of poo-pooed as to suggest that you're going to get photos and you're going to get imagery that's hand-selected, hand-picked, that you'll get nowhere else in the world. You know, if there's a session that goes down a desert point, you know, the full-page spread in a surfer magazine is just, you know, it was basically about the experience, you know, and certainly the two experiences are different, and that's there's no doubt about that.
0: I totally agree.
1: But I was basically saying, look, at the end of the day, is my experience that much better? That I'm like, do I have to have that to get me inspired to go surfing to get me right. stoked? No, I'm telling you, I'm looking on Instagram, I'm watching videos of Clay Marzo getting shacked, and I'm out there, and and the experience with the magazine isn't quantifiably bigger and better yeah. than the experience with as, as far as me getting inspired now. If we're going to get into an in-depth thing about Clay Marzo and his Asperger's and blah, 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 and really get in-depth with Clay Marzo or whoever it may be, yes, perhaps the magazine offers that opportunity, and I would argue it does, and, and therein lies its value. Well, if it
0: does, can't a podcast do that even better? Nailed it. I'm just saying, like, if you want to really get in the depth of (laughs) what is Asperger's, like, this is a more entertaining platform for me. And by the way, I could do this in the car.
1: Exactly what many of our listeners tell us is that we help them get through a commute.
0: So I think that, like, he's right. All those things are true. But if you just, like, uh, commit to that line of thinking... You're going to miss opportunities to evolve and grow and i think that there is a way for the magazines to evolve and grow in this new platform and and a lot of them are exploring it digitally and whatever else but i think that it's important to not just hang your hat on the old kind of ethos of what the magazine was and should be it's important to keep a part of that as your ethos and then embrace a lot of these things that we're talking about
1: well and I, and i was arguing sort of Look, the demographic of the 14 to 20-year-old male that I believe those magazines are trying to touch isn't picking up that magazine. Now, you and I, 35 to 50, we're going to pick up the Surfer's Journal or we're going to pick up Surfer right. magazine. We're probably not going to touch surfing or something that's skewed a little younger. Um And so I asked him. So, are you guys competing against the Surfers Journal? And then the argument. And I'll just you know, you listen if you listen to the podcast. Let's not rehash it. But those are some of the things we touched on. Cool. It was it was a fun talk, and I appreciate having him on, and I look forward to having him on again. All right, Um, dude. Surfing is officially a full time Olympic sport. Can you believe it? Everybody is ecstatic. Well, perhaps not everybody. But first, let me get to the specifics, and then I have yeah, a take please. on this, and I'm going to read a little bit. First, the specifics of the Olympics. The event will take place in the ocean, not a wave, as I reported a couple of episodes ago. The venue will be at Chiba, a 45-minute ride from Tokyo. 40 competitors in total, 20 men, 20 women. As I mentioned, USA, Brazil, and Australia, I think, has more competitors than the other nation states. High-performance shortboarding only. No longboarding, but bodyboarding, or subdivision. And countries from all over the world will be represented, including many surfers not on the world tour. But wait, David, let me read something from Outside Magazine. Broadly, and I quote from Outside Magazine, there are two categories of complaint from the cynics of surfing in the Olympics and climbing in the Olympics. Okay. The first is spiritual, and you've heard it before. Both surfing and climbing are sports in name only to many of their practitioners. Furthermore, the sport's inclusion on the world's biggest stage takes away any remaining outsider cred they may still have had. And now I quote Matt Warshaw, it was a matter of real pride, a near universal thing that we surfers liked being a bit different from other sports. Now, David, my commentary on this, my opinion, if you will, let me make one thing perfectly clear. The sport of surfing never, ever, ever had any soul to lose. Mm. And the surfing culture and lifestyle, David, separate from the sport of surfing, lost its soul sometime in the late 50s when Mickey Dora cashed his beach blanket bingo paycheck and probably somebody else's too. Basically, as soon as money was exchanged, the soul was gone. Now, David... Let me make one thing perfectly clear while you rudely text somebody with your phone. Post in your Instagram. Fully listening, though. Okay. Let me make one thing perfectly clear, David. Excuse me. On a personal level, surfing absolutely speaks to our souls. Surfing is many things. It's intimate. It's intense. It's gorgeous. It's thrilling. It's addictive. It's life-altering. And it usually smells good. My surfing experience is soulful. David, your surfing experience is soulful. The smell of walking into trestles, the frantic bike ride down Kanui Road, paddling out at dark on a big winter swell, the thrill of surfing alongside dolphins, whatever your soulful experience is, they haven't taken it away from you. These are our experiences. No amount of surf contests, monster energy drinks, or priority buoys can ever take away your experiences. Ten judges on the beach in Chiba, Japan can't take it from you. The Olympics is simple. It's just another step toward the commodification of surfing. Steps that have been taking place for a long, long time. It is what it is. And it doesn't change my daily experience or your daily experience. Experiences that we rightly perceive as soulful. It could be argued that with an additional international ocean sport in the Olympics, the awareness of world's oceans as a vital resource rises. The sport of surfing has been mainstream for a long time. In my opinion, you can drill it down to the day Quicksilver became a publicly traded company. But it doesn't really matter. It didn't happen last week when surfing became an Olympic sport. Surfing as a sport, surfing as a commoditized lifestyle, these are concepts that will never get in the way of the soulful experience of partaking in the ocean on a surfboard, or for that matter, climbing in Joshua Tree or hiking in Yosemite, or however it is that you find your peace and solace and serenity. If you're upset that surfing is in the Olympics, that it somehow has taken away the soul, I have a suggestion for you: go surfing. That's my take, David. That is
0: fantastic. Where did you publish that piece?
1: Did you <laughs> write it just for this show? I feel like it, it has been written just for the show, but oh, wow. it, it will be published on boardroomshow.com. Yeah, yeah no, it feels- on the down the line pitch. I, I, was no, I, just, say. I just wrote that because I'm just sick of the people going, "Oh, it's taken the soul away." There was never any soul, you idiots. Uh, yeah, I mean, the soul is your personal experience. Totally, that's, that's how you get it. Well, so there was a soul. I, I no, mean, I, there wasn't a soul in the sport of surfing.
0: In the sport, as like it exists in the ether for everybody, maybe not. But there's been a soul in my experience, just as you stated, there has been in yours. You know,
1: you have yeah. a soulful experience of the sport of surfing. It, it touches you.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's,
1: has the Olympics taken away that? Exp- no, that no, no, not at all. And by
0: the way, you and I definitely can't make that argument. You're not making that argument, but. You've been cashing checks from the surf industry
1: all along. Exactly. And so am I. My point so, is, is that they're two separate entities. Yes. They're totally, they're not the same thing. No.
0: And it'd be hypocritical to make that argument that a lot of people are making. Um, I'm a, I'm all for it, dude, to be honest. I uh, I don't feel badly or negatively about it at all. There's all of the same issues exist that you and I discuss in regard to the WSL and judging a subjective you know, art form essentially. So those things will still exist in this realm. Yeah. But I'm all for it. I too.
1: Let's experience it. Who cares?
0: Let's tease apart the nuance. It's not going to
1: change my surfing experience tomorrow morning, wherever I go surfing. Not at all.
0: Yeah. So I I couldn't agree with you more. They... Have you uh, figured out how they're going to pick athletes and all that sort of thing? No,
1: but I was talking to my son about it. We were talking about the skateboarding is in the Olympics too now. And he's got some buddies that are already in training for the Olympics in Japan for skateboarding. And we were saying, and I said, do you think that Kelly Slater will be one of the two surfers for the USA? Is it two or four? I think it's only two. I don't know. I think it's two. We reported it as two. Kelly Slater. He'll be 48. Right. Now, if Kelly Slater takes the stance, and I think he already has, that, hey, I want to be in the first Olympics. It's kind of like. You kind of got to go, okay, you're in. You can't, who's going to argue against Coach I'd argue but, against it. Well, good. I'm glad you would because I think it needs to be discussed. Yeah. I think that in, in four years, you know, you're looking at Chloe and Dino being 28 years old or something like that. Right. Maybe, you know, guys that are in their prime, guys that are really going to be guys that, um, you know, like I think of Mick Fanning. Like Mick Fanning was in his prime, let's say, two years ago, like at the top of his game.
0: When he won his last title. Right.
1: That's that's the guy you want in the Olympics, right? right? And so how they get chosen for each nation state, I don't know. But the the Kelly Slater thing will be a quandary for that person, for if it's Fernando or whoever yeah. it is that makes that choice for the USA's team. You know, who is that
0: guy? You it's, know? it's too far in the future to really forecast
1: now. But 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 the Kelly Slater equation does linger right now. He has so my thoughts on that are is or are like Can you look Kelly in the eye and say no you're not on the team?
0: Yeah, I could because it's based on your current athlete or current competitive performances. And he's currently not at the top of his game. He's currently not at the top of surfing's game.
1: You I know would, what I mean? I agree with that. I'm just suggesting to you like you can't just give him, him, him
0: the spot because of his legacy. That'd be like currently allowing George Foreman to go box for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I, And here's the thing. I always end up shaming Kelly. I'm the biggest Kelly fan of all. You know what I mean? Like, He is so important to me, but let's call a spade a spade. He's not the best competitor that we have
1: currently. If there's two guys and one of them is not Slater, um, who are like, – you, you also got to look at it like this. You would think that NBC or whoever owns it wants Slater to be there. Like that's an that's a human interest story. I heard something really fascinating. They had Rune Arledge, um, or no Dick Ebersol. They had Dick Ebersol, who who has produced the uh, NBC Olympics for years and years and years. He's retired now. He said the most fascinating thing about Olympics and Olympic ratings is that. These are the only sports where more women watch the sports than men. More women watch the Olympics than men watch the Olympics, that is and it's the only live sport where that happens. And it's because of these human interest stories, as Dick Ebersol explained. And so Kelly Slater, if if you're NBC, you know, if you're Matt Lauer, you're like Kelly Slater's got to be on the team. And so the movers and shakers that and I'm not saying they have any say in it, but they want the Kelly Slater human interest story for ratings cuz mm-hmm. Sally sells ratings, man. Does he? I think he does to my wife. He does, you know, to the ones that will be. Oh, isn't that neat? He's forty-eight, and it's Kelly Slater, and I've loved him for ten years because my husband's turned me on to him because I'm, you know, I'm married to a surfer. You know what I mean? Like that women demographic is going to get Kelly Slater and yeah. be more. They're going to buy into the Olympics and to surfing being in the Olympics if Kelly's on the USA team as yeah. opposed to Kanoa Igarashi and you know Chloe or whoever. Right. Know, like whoever it is. Right. Like Kelly sells. Kelly moves the meter. And if you're picking the team, you know there's going to be some pressure from some powers that be that are like, dude, get Slater. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like Tony Hawk. It's like, Tony Hawk needs to be in the Olympics.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. As I'm thinking about that, as you say it, um, he's such an ideal ambassador for our sport in the way, like, in the way that I, I think Stephanie Gilmore is kind of that for the female side, where I don't know who would be you such mean, a good. You mean
1: Princess Diana?
0: Yeah, she's she our, kind of she's is. She's our Princess Diana. Totally,
1: you have to speak to her in that tone, sort of a reverent. I apologize, Princess Diana. I apologize. Stephanie I'll Remember. be more reverent. Okay, go ahead.
0: Um, I don't know who's coming up in this next generation that can be such a great ambassador. Not from Cal- not from the U.S., not from Brazil, not from Hawaii. Like he's handsome,
1: he's articulate, he's intelligent. You know, he he can still win the gold. Do you do you not think that he could win the gold in... and f- in- four years, two to Dude. three foot Chiba slot beach break.
0: No, I don't think he could. I don't think he holds a candle to Felipe or Gabriel.
1: Right. Or, but it's, it's the competition. They got to have the heats, You got to run the heats. Anything could happen. You,
0: yeah. But why, I mean, look at those conditions for the last five years and Kelly doesn't even show up for that. Stuff,
1: well, he won uh, at New York. Yeah. The waves are perfect. Well, for New York, I guess it was perfect. It was, it <laughs> no, I mean, but they were. It was but I mean, in barrels. Yeah, but he won by doing an insane 360 aerial.
0: Right. But then in Portugal, he lost in round three to Tiago Perez when it was wind win slop. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, I don't think he's the best in those conditions. But I do think, kind of more to the point of what you were talking about, your wife wanting to watch him, the reason why she wants to watch him is he is the best ambassador we've ever had and arguably one of the best that any sport's ever had. He's just, yeah, you know, and so I don't see anybody coming up after him. That can really fill those shoes, not to earn eleven world titles or just to represent our sport in such a positive way, you know so
1: you're saying you do want him on the team
0: no no i 'm not saying that i 'm just saying I lament that that there isn't somebody that can right. fill those shoes right. you know
1: well it'll be an interesting thing, you know, and um, it'll be fun to watch. I sort of hope he he you know calls for it and wants to be on the team and makes a case for himself and yeah um. You know, it could be that he just gets off the tour and just focuses purely on the Olympics. That'd be so rad. Wouldn't that be cool?
0: Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see him there. I'd love to see him win there, but I just don't think he's competitively
1: Oh my God, you're I'm you're... what?
0: I, I agree with you. I'm just I'm you know. telling you my passionate feelings versus the objective reality of contest results. Yeah. You know? Um have you been watching the Olympics, by the way? I have been. Have you? Yeah. Anything have you? exciting? No.
1: Yeah. Um, what was what? Well, Michael Phelps was exciting last night. I guess so. Yeah. I heard he that. has. He could, and why was it exciting? Because he had an arch rival who they hated. They had backstory. They told the backstory. I hope you're listening, WSL. We want backstory and rivalries, and it was an organic one. And I know that you know we can't make stuff up, but the, you know some things were said by Michael Phelps a few years ago when he retired about the back the breaststroke swimmers and the world record holder, this guy from South Africa. And that, then the guy from South Africa had a documentary and he called out Michael Phelps. And then there was, there was like backstage before the swim, they have this you know green room where the swimmers get ready. And there was like, you know, like histrionics, the type of like the type that Kelly and Andy went through almost, you know, where there was like vibes being thrown and weird shit happening. And Kelly Slater showing up at Andy's house with Steve Sherman, taking a picture, you know, just like weird yeah. stuff happened backstage with Phelps and this guy. And, and, um, so it just made for great drama and then Phelps, you know, won the, his 20 something gold medal Crazy. and, um, is
0: hysteronics a word?
1: I just made it a word. Okay. It is now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> It's like, uh, irregardless.
0: Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. What I saw a hilarious Instagram meme, uh, just the other night, which was, it showed a couple of swimmers at the pool, like ready to jump in, you know, and, There was a lifeguard in the back just looking ho hum, like with, she's holding like her little banana flotation device on her lap and like leaning on her knees with her chin rested on her uh, fist. And the caption read, Lifeguard at the Olympics, the most pointless job on the planet. You know? (laughs) You've got like the best swimmers on Earth. What is she going to do to help them? You
1: you never know. Yeah. Could be some mouth to mouth that needs Uh, to go down.
0: You're killing me, Smalls. Yes. Um, so we've got a bunch of other things other than that. The U.S. Open happened. The Padang Cup happened. Um, what do you want to discuss?
1: Well, I'll tell you that my must moment is Bruce Irons' ride during the Rip Curl Padang Cup. Is it? Yeah.
0: Mine is Mason Ho's ride.
1: Yeah. Where he got cool.
0: a, he got a few but the one where he comes where he, out at the end he does a huge yeah. air. Yeah.
1: Like he does a full well, rotation. My question to you is did he stick that? Yeah, totally. You you claim that as cuz it that's a, For that sure. could be questioned. No. He 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 stuck it but he didn't continue to he kind of fell backwards. He did, like he landed but he didn't continue the in NFL parlance, you know, a football motion or a football move like when you catch the pass yeah you've 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 received it, but you have to make a move, a football move toward moving forward down this field, yeah, so did mason ho yeah, he stuck it, but did he do a a move with the turn of the rail of his surfboard so that yes, he was continuing the ride he landed it and just threw his arms in a mason Ho. ha 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 look at me kind of fun loving vibe fell backwards. it certainly could be argued that he didn't land it
0: it could be argued incorrectly that he didn't land it i will give you that <laughs> the point is I, it could be argued it. he stopped <laughs> it. Could it. Be argued. i'm gonna post it on um my instagram at surf splendor for anybody who wants to see that and of course it'll be on the website too but it's so rad like he gets shacked comes out and then the section's actually pitching like a barreling section And that's the section that he does the air on. So it's a really critical section. And he full rotation and then lands on the top of the barrel, essentially. Really difficult place to land. But what I would argue uh, in response to your comment is that that wave finishes. It goes to deep water so quickly that it just basically goes flat. And even if you come out of the barrel there, it's difficult to like set a rail to kick out.
1: It's just flat water. Right. So... Which, which is exactly, That's, you've sort of made my point, right? Yeah. Then, well, he, then he didn't, it wasn't a completed move because no, he did no, it no. in the wrong part of the wave where there is no wave.
0: No, he did it in the, the most critical part and landed in a super critical part and a split second later it hits deep water. He needs and then to cut, back. He, cut needs, back. he needs to cut oh, back come.
1: into the power of the white water so as to complete the ride.
0: All right, well, it'll be on Insta. Uh, people chime in there. Give me your thoughts. Did he stick it? Did he not? That'll be the hot topic this afternoon on and, Instagram.
1: And take your m- emotion and your fandom out of the equation. I always a- do. And ask yourself, you know. I'm
0: the most pragmatic person on earth, Scott. I have no emotion. <laughs> <laughs> dude, <laughs> Former,
1: former females, females have called on me. On <laughs> this show, you've said you've loved male surfers.
0: My former females have called me the tin man. I have no emotion at all, dude. Well, there's, a, there's a guy
1: behind the curtain that'll solve that for you. <laughs> Um.
0: Let's oh, well, so the Penang Cup. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay, yeah. so you, well, you Musty moment Bruce. is
1: Bruce Irons. You mentioned Bruce. He got a 10. It was a super deep. The, what's pretty cool is the drone footage of it. I don't yeah, know the drone that. footage is killer. It makes it look, you know, but look, it was fascinating. It was a deep. It was a, you know, it was Bruce. It, you didn't think he was going to come out. And then you go, oh, it's Bruce. He's probably going to come out. But I don't know. He hasn't really been doing much in the last 10 years. Maybe he's not going <laughs> to come out. And, and in a way, it sort of symbolizes for me, Bruce, Bruce Irons, totally. in a nutshell. You know, it's like okay, I had one moment which makes you hang on and hope that he's going to like be the guy that you know he still could be. He's only like thirty five years old or something, right. right? He still could do it, but then. Oh, you know, next heat he decides to just like have sushi instead of paddle out or whatever. You know, like he's just I he just never shows up when you need him to show up. You know, you never want to put money on Bruce Irons, right? I
0: think that um
1: did he make it through that heat? I think he got a I don't 10. even know. It. I think he got a ten and a not not a. That's just it. Score. Like that was yeah. his heat. Like that was his contest. Like it doesn't yeah. even matter. It's just like here's Bruce getting a ten. He still exists. He can still do this. And everyone goes, okay, who cares? Like right. you know, like no one really cares to follow him along his. His, you know, heat-by-heat heat right discourse. Right. No, but... So, let's talk about the contest for a second.
0: Um, Padang Cup, it tries to run every... They attempt to run it every year, but it doesn't always because... The, I guess... I mean, I've never surfed there, but it seems like the swell never it's really tidal. lasts. It's It's title and it tidal, never so. lasts for more than six hours when it's actually contestable. Right. So, they need to run the
1: comp in, like, a very short
0: period of time, and it's... They got, like... Three and a half
1: hours each day, and then the next day it could be windy and the swell's gone. Mm -hmm. So, like you're saying, you know.
0: But they got a number of heats. And then, even during that time, you can get 30 minutes without contestable waves in that span. So, they had a couple of heats that were really good, a couple of heats that were really um, starved for waves, but the waves were perfect. When they came, they were really perfect. And so, it was pretty incredible to watch. The highlight for me, even though it's not a must see moment, was Clay Marzo, which is a guy we don't see enough of, of course. And when we do see him, um, he's generally surfing in West Oz or in Maui, but he was surfing the barrel in ways that, I mean, I've never even seen surf before he's, he's Gumby and he rides, he's just so nimble and he gets into these weird positions and, pockets of the wave that have absolutely no energy where he's just high and tight and up behind the foam ball and you think there's no way he's coming out of that but then he slinks out of it somehow and his feet are super close together you know it's just bizarre and that like i said that end section dumps onto deep water so it pinches but he would somehow come out of the little pinch at the end where nobody else was, even the local guys. And the local guy, Mega, who won the contest, wasn't able to do it in the way that Clay was. So a highlight for me was just
1: watching Clay,
0: you know? And he did make the final, I think, but he didn't win.
1: Well, so, you know, Clay Marzo to me, he he sort of represents for all those people that are like surfing's not a sport, here's proof of it. The best guy in the world doesn't even do the competitions. And it's like that with climbing, there's that guy. What's that really insane climber guy? Alex Honnold. Yeah, Alex Honnold. You know, he's sort of, you know, you could say he's almost like the Clay Marzo. I I know that's probably not. No,
0: it's actually a pretty good analogy. You know, like
1: these two kind of like avant-garde, just out there. No social skills. Yeah, but insane at what they do beyond the the, even the best. They're above the best. Yeah. Um, They're kind of like, I'm not doing the Olympics or... This is this is an expression of who I am. It's not about how many points I'm going to get down right. at Huntington Beach. They could not care less. They could not care less. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so Clay's, you know, helps with that argument. Yeah, yeah. It's just hard surfing is not a sport,
0: right? But if you want to surf it's for an the athletic rest of, endeavor, I agree. But if you want to surf for the rest of your life, it's kind of important to embrace a little bit of the industry so that you can cash a paycheck and continue Oh, to for sure i'm not
1: saying we don't have ethical. i know you're not saying that yeah. i'm just
0: making an observation you know yeah. um which i think alex honnold as an example actually has you know he's embraced it and actually he sort of
1: transcends it. it it's almost like the industry has to attach themselves to him true he's kind of like whatever you know i'm gonna do my thing and they're like well if we he's the best so we'll like he, just chase him down yeah we're just cameras. gonna chase you down and give you checks and right. say you're one of ours you right. know like and I don't know if surfing has that. I mean, Kelly would be that guy. Yeah. Right. Where if, if he just said, I don't want sponsors, his agent would be taking phone calls all day long. Right. And I'm not sure if there's anybody else in the surf world like that. Yeah. Um, I've got a breaking news story. Breaking news. Something I heard. Did you just r- get this over your text.
0: Yeah. I, it, I've heard rumors about it, um, in recent weeks, but I, didn't feel like it was my place to announce it. Is this it. a
1: Quicksilver thing?
0: No. Okay. I didn't feel like it was my place to announce it, but Beach Grid actually just posted a story about it. So, considering it's out there in the media, I will go ahead and now comment on it. Is um, be- this Vegas thing? No, dude. Vegas. Channel Islands. Oh, they got sold? No, but... So Tell the, me. The, the, Sorry, I'll the, shut up. The, yes, please. Um, Channel or Beach Grid's title is that rumor Kelly Slater to buy Channel Islands. But I think that the real story is that um, FireWire put in a bid to buy Channel Islands. Okay. So and the bid got rejected. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
1: Okay, so they sent something to so, Burton and said, "Hey, we want to buy your subsidiary, Channel Islands," and they didn't. The number didn't make sense to. to right, burn. and so it must have been pretty low ball because I know Burton. The rumor also is that they've been trying to dump Channel Islands for a while. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not aware of that. But... I don't know. This is all rumor innuendo and parking lot fodder. Right.
0: And I don't want to um, get U- into information. We're right. Or say anything
1: out of line Why not? Here, so. It's never stopped us before. <laughs> let me guess. Is, I let it you? Because, is it because we both work in the industry and we have to tiptoe around certain things? Uh, yeah, but... Um, but this is on Beach Grit, so I'm just reading it from Beach Grit at this point. But You know what? From now on, let's just take all of our rumors and innuendo and source them to Beach Grit, even if it's not on Beach Grit, because no one will know the difference anyway. You and I have both done that in the past, <laughs> by the way, so don't ask saw It's like a new idea. I saw this on Beach Grit. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, they put in a bid for Firewire, it got or Firewire put in a bid for Channel Islands, it got rejected. So, interesting, though, like. And maybe they'll regroup and send another offer. I have no idea. But interesting that Kelly... What
1: I'm just reading your Instagram. <laughs> what did it say? Listen to Scott interrupt me on the new podcast. Which, by the way, you just did as I'm trying to tell this Firewire story. <laughs> Hurry
0: up. That's the correct caption, isn't it? That's it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad you saw humor in it and didn't get offended. I'm, I'm, um, I'm upset. So, anyway, what this looks like to me is... Firewire is known as a manufacturing, it's a tech company. They make boards in a certain tech, and that's what they are. But it really seems like they're looking to diversify. I don't think they're going to buy Channel Islands and then make them all Firewire-style surfboards. They're going to buy it so that they can now have the lion's share of the polyurethane market. You know, And Kelly, by the way, is the ringleader behind both of these things. So it's like Kelly, who owns a wave pool, which could be available in all across middle America, where previously waves were only available to people on the coastlines, he's bringing it to everybody across the world. He also owns a surfboard company, or partially owns, primarily owns Firewire, and then additionally might own the lion's share of another surf brand, the largest manufacturer in the world, Channel Islands. He's kind of positioning himself to be... A kingpin. The kingpin.
1: Well, a couple things you said there. The first one that sort of I'm questioning and is interesting and could be true, is if, in fact, they do negotiate a deal, and that's all rumor that we heard on Beach Creek, do you think that they would want to continue Channel Islands as a polyurethane brand, or they would take all of those Channel Island designs, put them into the Firewire technology, which they're very, very proud of, and they should be. It's sustainable. By the way, later in the show, we're going to have the two sustainable surf guys who work closely with Firewire. They're going to be in here... Michael and Kevin, talking to us. So you're thinking that, look, why ruin a good thing? The polyurethane market exists. Channel Islands more or less owns a big, heavy share of that market. Let's just keep that as is, and we'll just run a cleaner, meaner machine known as CI polyester. And we'll have FireWire over here. And, of course, some of the Channel Islands boards will be available in FireWire technology. But if you want the polyurethane, we are going to, of course, do that for you as well. Why would we... Stop that. That's what I think the model would be.
0: I think it'd be foolish to try to transition
1: Channel Islands
0: into the Firewire. If you're
1: Firewire, aren't you saying then that your construction maybe isn't, you know, like, I mean. No, I think you're super proud of your
0: construction, but you have your eyes on a bigger prize. You just
1: look at it from a business model. Why would we shut down a business that's make that we can make money on, even if it's not using the technology that we basically pride ourselves on?
0: Yeah, but it's a niche technology. I mean, let, let me ask it, it to you this way. You're a surfer, you're a lifelong surfer. Would you want to ride exclusively firewire surfboards?
1: Well, no, of course I wouldn't. Because no, because I want. I, I mean, I'm, I'll ride a wooden surfboard. I'll ride a polyurethane. Yeah. I'll ride a fire. I want to ride everything.
0: You do, but what would the majority of your quiver be constructed out of?
1: Polyurethane, of
0: course. Me too. And I've ridden. All, I've ridden it all. There's a reason why. This is. These rent. are questions
1: we need to bring up to uh, Michael and Kevin too.
0: Right, but so I think that the people behind Firewire and Kelly himself. Understand that, and they probably agree with it because they're all surfers too, and they know the traditional construction method just feels right. You know, and there is value to these alternative methods, but polyurethane- what does that
1: mean though? That's such a uh, that's such a like vague statement. It is it just feels right. What I, you're I, speaking of is the certain dampness exactly that polyurethane gives the surfboard and gives you the surfer there's cer- there's a certain damp flex where it's just not as boing 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 it's yeah. it's more forgiving right
0: I, I mean i've tried to put it into words because i've thought about it a lot and i've had a lot of these conversations on the podcast and it's very difficult to articulate why it feels right but it just does like a polyurethane board with a wood stringer just that's where I well, I've, I've
1: heard skip fry say something that i think is it's sort of fascinating, and I have found to be true. Let's hear it. It is that a, a surfboard feels its best, is at its best, is at its peak in performance a week before it delaminates. Oh, really? Yeah. Because at that point, it's still structurally sound, but it's completely, um, I, I guess I'll use broken the word in. broken in, yeah. dampened. And, and it's, it's, it's releasing all of its energy in all of the right ways at all the right times. Interesting. I think that's. I'm. I I'm going to attribute uh, that to Skip Fry. I, I hope Skip doesn't mind. I think that's where that comes from. I believe it, it's an interesting. He said that. Before. It's an interesting thought.
0: I would put it maybe six months prior to that mark, like one week before. You're it going to question,
1: Skip Fry, right now. First Kelly Slater, now Skip Fry. What other? Magnet. Can you just like shoot down? Do you want, Are you going to blame Obama? What's next?
0: Well, here's the deal, dude. One week before it delaminates, my board feels dead.
1: Right? Maybe that's lack of yoga. I don't know. You're not springing Maybe yourself. I'm
0: riding high-performance short boards where Skip's riding long boards and he's getting a little more life out of it
1: that yeah, way, yeah. you know?
0: Um, it's an interesting concept it is yeah but I get what he's saying but again I think like six months before is probably more accurate six
1: months before I haven't even waxed it up the (laughs) board only lasts four months yeah Um, you want to talk about US Open not really (laughs) what's there to talk about shitty waves A bunch of geeks from the Inland Empire getting drunk, watching really good skateboarding that's happening. It's probably some good music. It's a ton of fun if you're 20 years old and you're from Corona. All right, then. It looks (laughs) like you covered it. It it was shitty. The waves are crappy. And the problem with the U.S. Open is if it's good, everyone's going, shit, they should have had this at Lowers, which is what Bob Hurley said. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do that. And he just moved the whole deal to Lowers. Yeah. Because there was that one huge... Remember the first Hurley Pro or the first U.S. Open by Hurley, and it was huge. It was pumping.
0: Yeah, Sippo beat McFanning. Yeah, phenomenal. they were yeah. towing him in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it was not towing him in, but towing him out.
1: Yeah, towing him yeah. out, and it was massive closeouts. It was very exciting. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. everyone was going. God, I bet Lowers is insane right now. And Bob's like, Yeah, um, next event, next year we'll be at Lowers. Sorry. Right. So that's my problem with the U.S. Open. It's, it's you know. From a competitive standpoint, yeah, look, it's just it's good beach break, and and the competitors are insane. I'm not poo pooing what's happening. I'm just saying it doesn't excite me, a fifty a something year old man, fifty one year old man. Yeah. Now they don't want to excite a fifty one year old man, right? Yeah,
0: this conversation's getting weird. <laughs> I,
1: don't, I don't want. I don't want to even
0: chime I'm The in. wrong
1: demo from the US Um <laughs> So. Here's my lifestyle. One,
0: here's my one thought about. I won't get into. Or let's just acknowledge. Like Felipe rips. Felipe won. Good for him. Tatiana Weston Webb won. Let's acknowledge that real quick, and then they were shredding. Give you my overall impression on this. Yeah. I can't think of an event that is more subject to happenstance. Based like who wins and who makes it through it, heats, even is more subject to happenstance in Huntington Beach than any other event in the world. You have so many phenomenal surfers show up for that event, both on the CT, like the World Tour side, like Felipe, and then also on the QS side. Like the Japanese kid who won it the year before. Yeah, and he looked incredible this year, too. And kids kids who are on the QS who are used to surfing waves like that, and actually surf waves like that, better than most guys on the World Tour. So you got all these guys together, so every heat has, three out of four of the guys could win the event in every heat, and yet... They're losing out in the early rounds. And it's not just because the competition is so high. It's because the wave is so fickle and the sandbars are so fickle. Like, you don't know if you should surf the pier bowl or the one down the beach. Whereas... J Bay isn't necessarily that way. Like you know, which wave is going to be good at J Bay or Chopu or even Pipe to an extent.
1: And backdoor. It's a shitty wave for the, so for a big event. It's just a shitty wave. So
0: you look at Kanoa making it through heat after heat. It's because he surfs the wave every single day. You know, <laughs> but it's like like I said, you can be the best surfer in the world and just get demoralized in Huntington by losing round one. And you see those guys lose round one year after year after year after year, and you just go. This doesn't make any sense. This is not a true representation of what compet- competition should be, where the best guy
1: proceeds, you know, and, and advances. And, and, and it's not that. I mean, it's the U.S. Open of Youth Lifestyle. That's
0: a whole different thing, you know. But like, if you're gonna have a competition, you want to see the best guys make it through the heats. And I see the best guys losing all the time in that event. Not only just in round one, but throughout the entire event, the best guys just getting axed left and right and many of
1: those ct guys have to do that event Mm -hmm. because they're contracted by their wsl commitment to do a qs to do a certain number of qs's and yeah and that's the one that all of their sponsors like dude do the us open it's a big industry blah 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 and they have a a bunch of good stuff happens for the industry there and and i'm all for that as a fan i'm just i it just there's nothing could interest me less yeah you know than
0: that yep i hear you
1: now sadly and I hope this isn't the case. Those are the same conditions that could follow the Olympics in 2020 in Chiba, Japan. Yeah. It's not exactly prime time for Chiba. Yeah. In August.
0: I'll tell you what, dude. If, that, if they got like a hurricane swell or whatever, like we've seen, I remember one of Kai Neville's movies a couple of years ago where John John and Dane were surfing like eight foot perfect right barrels. Off that the would be insane. Mount. Like Kelly could win that event. Speaking about right. Kelly's, like he would win that event or John John.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or who else? Just those guys. Yeah. That's all. All
0: right. Um, all right. Well, fair enough. U.S. Open sucks. I'm, I, hear I mean, you.
1: you know, I don't want to say it sucks. I'm just saying it's just it's not interesting, dude. I'm I live in Huntington Beach,
0: and I loved the U.S. Open growing up, involved in surfing. But for the last four or five years, I go out of town during U.S. Open time of year. <laughs> exactly. Just like, get out of there.
1: Thank you. Um, what else you got? Did you mentioned something that I wanted to touch on? I forget what it was, but. Tatiana (laughs) Weston, you want to touch on that, not me. Literally and figuratively, (laughs) six shapers have been chosen to compete in the Icons of Foam Tribute to the Master Shape Off competition presented by US Blanks and honoring Santa Cruz surf industry icon John Mel. And those six shapers are Ashley Lloyd Thompson, Ward Coffee, Ryan Lovelace. Kalu Kaleta, Michelle Genode, and Nick Palandrani. Each of those six surfers. We're getting an hour and a half in October up in Santa Cruz competing in the shape-off. Returning champ, Ryan Lovelace. And Ward Coffee was the last guy to win it in Santa Cruz when we were there in 2011. So he's sort of a returning champ in some ways. I mean, and he has more
0: experience
1: than any He's than actually any been them. in more of the shape-offs yeah. than anybody. I yeah. just found that out. I was yeah. just doing the math.
0: I believe it. um yeah so beginning of october october 8th and 9th so the boardroom shows in del mar every year and then once
1: every five years in santa cruz more or less yeah got it every year in del mar and we do go to santa cruz but
0: the thing in del mar is it highlights and focuses and honors shapers from around the world this seems like it's a little bit more santa cruz centric is that correct
1: um i wouldn't go there no i don't think that's the case um you know, by its very nature, that it's in NorCal, it's regional, and that consumers from that area aren't necessarily going to f- drive all the way to Del Mar.
0: But even exhibitors, so, right, Are the exhibitors, uh, we have make? some,
1: we have some, you know, national exhibitors like okay. FireWire's and um, FCS and Futures, and um, okay. there's a lot of um, nationally known brands that are going to be there. Cool. Yeah.
0: Cool. I'll be there.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see, midget Fairly sadly passed away. Um, There's been some really good stuff written about him recently. And I think the most telling thing is the thing that Matt Warshaw wrote. And I don't know if I should read it. It's a couple of paragraphs. Do you want me to read this? I do. It's pretty good. This is from Matt, speaking of Midget Fairley and his passing away. And now I quote Matt Warshaw. When you're comfortable, you're dead. The man was 21 years old, reigning world champ, the toast of Australian sporting, yet he chose to introduce his book with that little nugget of gloom. When you're comfortable, you're dead. And here's what I'm getting at. The bitterness that would come to at least partly define Midget Fairley in years to come, that was inborn, some of it anyway. And some of it was forced down his throat. For almost 50 years now, Midget has been surfing's most ill-treated figure. Most surf media tastemakers lost interest in Fairly not long after This Surfing Life, Midget's book, was published because A, he didn't get stoned, and B, he was roughly 85% less charismatic than his protege-turned-rival, Nat Young. Midget was made to pay for these crimes. Nat Young, the 66th world champ, cast some kind of surf media voodoo that made everyone ignore the fact that Midget was actually the better contest surfer during the shortboard revolution. Midget was runner up in both the 68 and world titles. Nat placed fourth and sixth, respectively. Fairley's treatment as a board maker has been even shoddier. Who knows what was happening at Palm Beach in 67 when Midget and Bob McTavish were riding side by side. During the birth of the deep V. Twist my arm and I'll say McTavish with Greeno as his muse got the jump on Midget. But if Midget didn't make the world's first shortboard, I would argue that he did consistently over the next four years make the world's best shortboards. There's footage out there from the 67 Bells Contest and the 68 and 70 World Championships and Midget always has the fastest, smoothest, most user-friendly equipment under his feet, by miles in some cases. Still, year after year, decade after decade, Midget's star continued to fade. How far, we questioned. In 1992, Australia's Surfing Life list, Australian Surfing Life magazine, their list of the top 16 shapers of all time. McTavish is on top, while Midget didn't even make the cut. Mm surfers 2009 50 greatest surfers of all time issue found room for christian fletcher mike stewart and Taj burrow but not midget bob mctavish talks about the midget he knew in the early 60s as being almost a different person than what came later laughing borrowing riffs from his favorite comics pub hopping double dating Fairly later developed a kind of a grimace, which he seemed to use as a protective shield. But in the early days, McTavish says, Midget had a quick, easy, unaffected smile. I kept that smile in mind while making this video for the Encyclopedia of Surfing. And that's the end of Matt Warshaw's words. And I'm sure you can Google um, that video that Matt put together to honor Midget. Put it on boardroomshow.com and surfsplendorpodcast.com we will he was 71 years old died of stomach cancer right I believe so
0: yeah bummer but yeah iconic I've loved seeing the photos and the videos on Instagram for the
1: last couple of days yeah there's really been some good stuff out there and it's it's neat that Matt has the perspective to kind of put things into you know a, you know the, he gets to shine the light where things where the light needs to be shown yeah I agree well
0: done Matt I notice you have a couple more notes there. Lunata Bay. Yeah.
1: There's more legal drama for the Lunata Bay Boys. Yeah. Um, I got this from the, um, what's that newspaper up there? The South Bay, something, the Daily Breeze or something. Anyway, a federal okay. judge denied the Bay Boys their first attempts to get out of the lawsuit, which is seeking to ban them from the Palos Verdes estate surfing spot known as Lunata Bay, the one where they're accused of ruthlessly defending from outsiders. So their attorneys tried to get something into motion. It was kicked out. In a written order, the judge denied their request, arguing that because the surfers are accused of recklessly impeding traffic on waters, circling boats, and even allegedly running over somebody with a surfboard, slicing the person's hand open, the activity was indeed Uh, had the potential to disrupt maritime activity and falls under the jurisdiction of federal admiralty laws. So that was what they were trying to get thrown out is that, hey, this shouldn't be a federal case. Admiralty laws don't apply here. And the judges denied that and said, yes, they do because you guys are assholes, (laughs) more or less. In essence, the lawsuit has now made it past the first round of pleadings and we'll go on to the discovery stage when their attorney's, said so they're going to provide witness lists and evidence detailing decades of threats and intimidation at the hands of these surfers. If this goes through, it's not good for the Lunada Bay boys. They're but, going to be banned. But from- it's like
0: the Lunada Bay boys have pushed it to this point. Like, it wouldn't have ever gotten this legal, you know, if they had just uh, agreed to not throw rocks at people when they're walking down the cliff. Well,
1: that's not going to happen. <laughs> the the uh, Palos Verdes Estates people, the city of, has... Um, they're just sick of all of this. Yeah. Like, like, we got to get rid of this. Like, we've kind of, like, whatever. They're, You know, they're my nephew's nephew or whatever. But now we're going to get rid of this. And so they have um, asked the city to start removing that little structure. There's, like, a little yeah. seawall down there that they've built, and it's been there forever. Yeah. So that structure is going to get taken away. Yeah. And um, that's just the city going, look, we're trying to do our part. You know, and totally. this lawsuit does not look good. There's precedent that's been set for judges um, just saying, look, you guys aren't allowed within a mile of this place Good. S- for five years, and then you're on probation, and yada yada yada.
0: Yeah, and the name of the people have have obviously been released. The names of the people, the surfers, the Lunata Bay boys. Yeah, there's
1: some guys, and um, you know, I'm sort of two or three degrees removed from some of these guys. I know. But yeah, Alan Johnston, Brant Blakeman, Michael Ray, Papians, and Angelo Ferrara. And a 17-year-old who I think is Angelo's, a relative of his. Yeah. But um, those guys, like I said, I've got dear friends who are dear friends with most of those guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And. You know, at the end of the day, I can't sit here and condone that type of behavior. I don't want my son throwing rocks at people and being an asshole. I don't think that's the way you need to carry yourself. I think that's something, there's something to be said for being a classy human being, for being a human being that has some sense of tolerance, compassion, some empathy, some unconditional love for your fellow man. Why not be a good person? Yep. Uh, I think that's what God wants. Yep. No question about it. Um, Do you have a Duke and Kook and all that stuff? I do. My kook is the guy who stole Mike D of the Beastie Boys fame. That's mine, too. Beastie Boys Mike D had 20 of his surfboards stolen. They look like cool surfboards. Yep. And the guy who stole them was a kook.
0: Yeah. Out of his and
1: Malibu home. Yeah Kelly, while he was Sl- away. yeah. Kelly Slater posted it on Instagram. And I'm going to be posting it. I took a picture of it yesterday, those four boards. There's 20 of them out there. They should put pictures of all 20 boards if they have them. Yeah. I don't think that they have pictures of all 20, but... yeah. Um, these boards need to be found. And at the very least, this guy needs to be tied to a whipping post and, and, um, some peanut butter or honey needs to be poured on him. And some angry African bees and some Zika mosquitoes need to be let loose on this person. I agree, dude. Yeah. What a, so much for tolerance, kindness, and compassion.
0: (laughs) 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 No, but theory is such a violating.
1: You know what? It's a karma thing. I, you know, it's, I think, you know what? I just, I, do sense that there's some karma, some that the laws of karma in a general way apply. And if you steal something, man, it's going to come back and get you. Yeah. I guarantee it. I totally agree. Well, that was my kook as well. My duke is Dane
0: Reynolds and his new who? bride, Courtney. I think Jatiki is her last name. Who recently got married this past weekend? Um, napkin Apocalypse got married. Napkin Apocalypse and Dane and uh, Sealtooth. Got Seal tooth,
1: yeah. napkin, apocalypse, and their little like French bulldog and their child, Pam Ferrari, Pam something. I, I forget don't her name, know. but yeah,
0: the dog Pam, uh, and they've that got dog a, is
1: famous. They've we- got
0: a son, um, uh, Sammy, as well. So they had a baby in the last year, and then they just got married this last week. And they're high school sweethearts, in fact. That's so cool. congratulations yeah. to Dane and Courtney.
1: That's sweet. you are the Dukes. That of the is. Week. sweet. I think the dog is is. The most Puts out set. more videos yeah. now than Dane does. Yeah, totally.
0: Um, We need to give a shout-out, by the way, to some people who sent us some free gear in the last week or two.
1: Free gear! We've got
0: the official Bad Boy Club gear. Do you remember the Bad Boy Club, Scott? Of course I do. <laughs> so, Bad Boy Club was uh, an iconic brand back in the 80s and 90s. And... um how do you describe the look of the gear?
1: I'm not, gonna, I early not going to wear this. I love those guys for listening. They, they, they're in San Diego. They're good guys. I've met them. I've emailed with them. This particular hat, I, I am not going to wear this hat. I'm just saying. What about these shirts? I might wear a shirt if it's... Let me see. Let me see some of the gear. The hats... I might be, I might be forced to wear a hat in the water to keep the sun out of my eyes. Um, it's not a visor though oh, You that's can cut problem. it
0: into a visor I will
1: We there. need some visor gate scissors Look at this thing Let me see these shirts. This shorts. is a dress this shirt This is a shirt?
0: It's like a Keith Haring motif But it's all the bad boy guy The bad boy uh,
1: is, is 80s coming back? Like, could they're I, bringing it back Could I, go with, could that's I th- go with this? So
0: what I love about the bad boy club Not only that they sent us a I might of wear this shirt I could, Does this shirt do it? Why don't you take an Instagram of the shirt For your Instagram Okay I will um, You want to put the hat on? The matching hat? Yes I'm going to go ahead and wear the hat. And I already posted an Insta of myself wearing this stuff. Oh, you did? But yeah. Right. Um, but here's what's great about the Bad Boy Club, aside from the fact that they gave us a bunch of free gear, is that they're revitalizing the brand with the exact same haven't art direction that, that they had <laughs> in the early 90s. So they haven't updated it at all. It's a complete throwback, but it is hilarious. I'm a huge, huge okay, fan I'm of I'm
1: wearing it. the garb so, now. Right. And, um,
0: Scott, you were looking... I feel really, like I'm John really
1: Parmenter, yeah guy. John Parmenter, Bam Bam Parmenter is Dave's brother. He was. Oh, I didn't know that. He was like the ultimate yeah guy. Dave's cringing right now.
0: Okay, it's looking good, Scott. Thank you. So, do you think your wife will let you out of the house? No, again?
1: no, I won't be. wearing Do you think this? she'll let you
0: in the house wearing that?
1: She doesn't have a choice. I have a key.
0: Well, here so I'll here, get
1: in the house, but um, you know who's going to dig this? My son. The you, stuff is going to my son. He'll be psyched on this. You know what's hilarious? Is that? That's sure who these guys want wearing this anyway. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You
0: took that the Bad Boy Club stuff off, and your T-shirt underneath is equally hilarious. The Vladimir Putin T-shirt is epic. Bay.
1: It's super good. So,
0: so there's a big shout out. Bad Boy Club, follow Let me. See on the Instagram. T-shirts. What do the T-shirts well, look like? No, no, no. I'm transitioning away oh, from sorry, that because Citabruzy also sent us a few T-shirts. Oh, you're
1: kidding? No, oh, no, that's cool. Yeah okay do I, I get one of those the original Water Brothers I'm going
0: to let you have your pick of which one you prefer
1: oh thanks so shout Sid. out to Sid. Sid and thanks to the Bad Boy Club too we're stoked on yeah. that stuff and Sid's and a, a long time listener Love of Sid. the show
0: so um, yeah that is cool yeah I, I think I'm going to have Sid on the show actually he just when I was driving over here he texted or sent me a message and said he's going to be out here for the Trestles cool. event
1: I want to be Sid's been on the show before I don't know if you were involved if, no uh, it was when we were on radio yeah let me see What's that. His,
0: thing. Tell you want to give listeners a little backstory oh, that on the cool. Water Brothers. Uh
1: you know what? Why don't you do it? Well, Water
0: Brothers is at New Jersey. Yep. Iconic retail store established in 1971. Apparently, old school, old school. Um, really influential, not only in surfing but in skating in that community, homegrown. Yeah. And uh, they recently closed the retail store. Actually, Oh, really? so wow. I'm going to catch up with um, Sid and find out you know what he's up to and how he's. He holds a really cool
1: summertime sort of surf fiesta type thing with a bunch of old boards. I think it's up in Rhode Island. That is cool. I love that one. You want one. that one instead? Yeah, yeah I can like did. that
0: one. Scott got first pick, Sid. Thank you, Sid. You got the one with the uh, fist making a wave in the back? Fisting. Nope. <laughs> Dude, that's pretty punk rock right
1: there. <laughs> um, oh, all right. My. So
0: those are our shout outs. Thanks. By the way, these all came because we made a plea in a previous episode that... Hook us up, man. Hook us up with some free product, whoever's yeah. listening.
1: Bad Boy Club but, and original Water Bros. The brothers and um, the more the merrier, right? Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. My kid's going to be psyched on the Bad Boy Club stuff, cool. and I'm psyched on the Water Bros stuff.
0: Cool. Well, hey, um, one other thing I want to mention, because I've, John John Florence's Putting out this new series Twelve. of videos called Twelve. Yeah, I mentioned we're on three? Episode, well, No Two. Yeah, I've I have, seen two. I mentioned episode one previously. It was phenomenal. Episode two dropped. It's freaking so good, dude. That kid, he can do no wrong. He's got the right people around him in terms of like video production is world class. He's doing world class surfing. He doesn't put out too much content. Like when Dane started doing Marine Layer, it was like a video every week, you know. And I, and I was a huge fan and I loved it. But in hindsight. You rise quickly, and you can fizzle, you know. And like John, John seems to have a perfectly curated brand identity, messaging, image, all that stuff, to where it's going to be around for a while, dude.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, from a from a professional surfing standpoint, with Fiji start or Tahiti starting like next week or tomorrow or something, right? It starts pretty soon.
0: Is it? No, I think maybe the nineteenth.
1: Oh, I thought it was the tenth. Okay, I well, could be wrong. Today, anyway. Tahiti's next on the docket and from the standpoint of um what John John what John John's going through, like mentally, emotionally, professionally, with him winning the world title attempting to win the world title this year, I think this next event is is really gonna it's either gonna catapult him into a place where he's just gonna roll through the field or it's going to set him back, and I, I'm anticipating him doing really well in big Tahitian surf and being the guy to stop because now you're going to Lowers, you're going to Europe, and then uh, the big event in Hawaii where he's you know even money to win it. He's sort of like going Tiger Woods when he went to the Masters in the 90s, yeah. late 90s, early 2000s. He's, he's the guy. Well,
0: he's ranked number two on the Jeep Leaders Board, and Gabriel Medina's ranked number three. Matt Wilkinson's still in first.
1: Somehow, um, Gabe and John, John, there's a rivalry there There is, and it needs to be nurtured and David and I are nurturing it right now. Yeah. And you know what? Gabe said some weird stuff. Did he? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just, that's what I heard on beach grit. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so Gabe's, you know, saying some stuff. He's saying some weird stuff. Yep. And you know what I love? John John doesn't say anything. He lets his surfing do the talking. Right. So I'm He's playing it cool. We got a white hat. We got a dark hat. We got a duel at the OK Corral.
0: Yep. I definitely I heard those rumors as well. I think it was something about somebody's mom. Yes, yeah, somebody's mom's and some then bad something stuff. about
1: Charlie. And then yeah, it got ugly. Got ugly. Yeah. It got was, ugly. And it, dark, it was dark. And and you know what? Those types of things shouldn't be said. No, I just I think that it's despicable that they would say such things about one another i know and about like you know you know parents and stuff to say leave you the know, parents out of leave it leave the parents out of it i mean right yeah. and girlfriends why yeah you know, exactly. why do you have to be that way yeah you know i see how you are yeah and that's yeah. not cool not cool at all so yeah the gabe john john thing <laughs> rivalry is brewing
0: um they're equally capable of winning chopu by the way Exactly. You know what I mean? Which is great.
1: And they both won in Europe. And they both won at Lowers. It's awesome. I mean, this is what you and I, as fans of the WSL, look for. Yep. And that's why the rivalry thing's so gnarly that it's happening. You know, that they're saying bad, you know, some bad stuff's being some weird stuff, some not good stuff. Yep. Totally not good at all stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Um, Coming right up right next, unless you got anything else, um, walking in the doors. Are Michael Stewart and Kevin Wilden from Sustainable Surf, and we're going to talk about the Maurice Cole situation, the WSL, this push towards environmentally sensitive, eco-friendly surfboards as a mandate on the WSL and the World Surf League's WCT. How far away are we? We're going to find out.
0: All right. Even though Scott queued it up, like I said, he's queuing it up for a different date. We'll publish that later. Um, man, good to be back. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry for keeping you waiting. So it goes with life, man. Just lots, lots of obligations to fulfill. Most of them are actual work-related. Uh, so I've got to honor those first. And this passion project of mine gets backburned occasionally so that's the story there but back in the full swing of things multiple interviews in the can so we will keep them flowing and then with the lowers event coming up in um september i'll have access to a lot of people that are coming through town and and looking forward to connecting with them and then i'll be up in santa cruz for the boardroom show get some interviews there so lots of good stuff that'll get us through the end of the year the end of the year Can you believe that? Crazy. Anyway, enjoy Mick Jagger singing us out, closing out the show. All right, and I'll be back next week with Matt Parker from Album Surfboards. By the way, in the meantime, follow him on Instagram, at Album Surf. Killer account. The boards are so beautiful. So check it, and then uh, that'll give you a little precursor to what we discuss next week. All right? Cheers. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor reminding you, Get out in the ocean, catch a couple waves, and shred on. Yes, I am knitted, frilly, and my
1: shirt's all torn, but I would love to spill your beans for you till dawn.